0: Welcome back to another episode of the Field and Garden Podcast. It is your friend Lisa Mason Ziegler and I am really glad you decided to join me here today. If we've never met, welcome aboard. If you want to learn more about what we're doing here at the Gardener's Workshop, you can head over to thegardenersworkshop.com to learn about our online virtual learning center, which includes tons of resources, y'all, for growing cut flowers, whether you're a home gardener or a farmer. We have online courses to help you start a business, build a business, or to just have a little cutting garden out in your backyard. Seed starting, just so many opportunities, as well as, y'all, I have built an online garden shop that features the tools, seeds, and supplies that I also use and the same seeds that I grow um, from here on my farm. So you can learn all about us over there. I encourage you to sign up for my weekly farm news where you basically get a page of headliners from the business. And um, you can sign up for that over at thegardenersworkshop.com. So friends, I am really pleased to bring this conversation to you today. Jenny Love of Love and Fresh Flowers has become um, a really good friend of mine for business reasons, as well as we're kind of kindred spirits in a lot of different ways. Um, And if you don't know Jenny, so Jenny is located in Philadelphia, uh, and her farm is urban, kind of like mine. And Jenny is one of the pioneer farmer florists. She is one of the ones that just blazed the trail to this unique opportunity of actually growing the flowers and doing wedding events with them. And um, that's a whole nother conversation, but um so she has been a part of that industry. She was named as one of Martha Stewart's top farmer florist, which just put her right out there in the limelight. Um and you know back when she first began as we talk about in the podcast, she felt like using her flowers that she grew in weddings and events was really the most profitable way to earn a living. Because, you know, you also have to know that Jenny, um, this is her livelihood. Everything flower farming, all the different things that she's doing. That she, um, in the beginning, felt like that doing weddings with her flowers that she grew was the most profitable. Well, she has gone full circle now that to compare dollar for dollar, when you're comparing percentages, not volume of money, that... Hands down, doing workshops is the most profitable thing that you can do. So I'm going to not carry on here much anymore. I'm going to let you listen to our, our, it's not even an interview. It was like one of our kind of chats that we had about doing workshops, who should do a workshop, um, just some great tips and foods for thought. excuse me. And um, I just love that I was able to convince, literally, Jenny to do an online on-demand course about making workshops work for you, which is all about the backside, y'all. It's about the business side of doing workshops. So let's take a listen to what um, Jenny and I talked about. All right, friends, I am here with someone that I consider to be a lifelong in flower farming. Very, very good friend, Jenny Love. Hi, Jenny.
1: Hi, Lisa. It's always fun to talk to you.
0: It's, I mean, we, Jenny and I have been accused of being sisters back before I had gray hair, you know, but we are, we have, <laughs> I, when that, I'm getting my gray hair now, so
1: don't worry, I'll catch up, we'll be good, <laughs> give me another two years.
0: <laughs> but Jenny and I have a lot more in common than just similar face shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, we are both kind of um, no bones, nitty gritty, share it like it is. People, which doesn't rub everybody right, but Mm. people that really want the pathway to do um, perhaps something that we're teaching about, um, really find that we're easy to talk to and listen to and learn from. So I invited Jenny here today because I consider her just one of the gurus on doing um, in-person workshops both destination maybe not at your farm and those on your farm and so that's what I've invited here today for she and I to kind of talk I'm gonna pick her brain Um, (laughs) y'all. So Jenny don't you feel like workshops are actually ramping up more now than ever before?
1: Oh yeah here in uh, 2022 as a lot of the COVID restrictions ease up uh, particularly, I'm in Philadelphia and my farm is Love and Fresh Flowers. And I've taught workshops for over 10 years now. And there's always been a demand for them, but I've noticed this sort of rabid, you know, <laughs> um, I don't know, this energy that is kind of out of control from people who are really jonesing to sign up for our workshops because I have a policy where we don't start taking reservations for workshops until 30 days before a given workshop date, but man, every single day the inbox has at least two or three messages about, I really want to sign up for this class in like June. (laughs) It's like, uh, (laughs) not yet, hold your horses. So it is, it is, it's out of control for two reasons. And it's great that it's out of control because it's such an opportunity for us as flower farmers to have a really profitable enterprise on our farms. But it's, it is, both people anxious because they felt cooped up from COVID restrictions and they're eager to reconnect with their community, which is a huge part of workshops is creating a sense of community. And then also there's a whole new generation of flower enthusiasts now that came, bubbled up through COVID when there were people that had just um, felt cooped up in their houses. uh, And now they really want to get their hands on flowers and, and work with that.
0: Yeah, I am. I mean, everything you just said nails it. And, you know, I, people are driven to inbox you because people post workshops and they're sold out in minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the thing about in person is, You're not going to have like an online course where there's unlimited numbers of people, right? There is a set number of seats, um, you know, for whatever, you know, it is that you're doing. And so I think the rabidness that you just mentioned is really (laughs) really a (laughs) a way to really explain that. So let's just talk about um, some of the ins and outs of workshops. And so for me, I think one of the things that Um, drew me. I mean, you and I have been doing them for a long time. Yeah, Um, I did boot camps. I've done hour classes, all day classes, two or three day classes. Um, And so we found that they were just, first off, we're going to talk about the hiccups too, the problems that you face (laughs) when you do that. But what I think you and I found and people are discovering today that this is really a profitable addition
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Right. I mean, let's just talk about that for a minute. I don't want to talk about pricing necessarily, Mm -hmm. but about Mm -hmm. that. This is really a a great way to boost your farm's bottom line after all that hard work you've done. Right.
1: (laughs) It's true. So my farm, um, I started flower farming commercially in 2008 and um, initially went into being a wedding florist, a farmer florist, you know, one of the, the originals. And thought that weddings would be the most profitable approach for my small urban farm. I needed the highest dollar for every stem to make being an urban farm in the heart of Philadelphia really manageable. And so I focused my business a lot on weddings, a little bit unexpectedly. I did them to, to kind of use up some, some of the extra weekends that I had, so to speak. You know, I wanted to always have an event. And if I didn't have wedding books, we would do a workshop. But what I realized after learning to price properly, so that is one of the things that we maybe won't talk about pricing per se in this podcast, but uh, pricing really is important to actually having a profitable workshop enterprise at your farm. But once you learn to price profitably, I can say now with confidence after all this time that workshops are actually more profitable dollar for dollar than weddings are because of the um, sort of the cost of goods sold going into them, so to speak, in terms of time and labor and staffing and all that stuff, um, workshops are actually more profitable. And because of that, I have ramped up my workshops at my farm and dialed back my weddings. So that's to say workshops are an amazing way to make money for your small farm, particularly if you're a small farm um, and in an urban setting.
0: Yeah, that is um, really, Uh, really true. Profitability, we know it's there, especially when you um, just really approach it on a professional method, right, of actually figuring out what you should charge and how it should be charged. And I think the other burning question for so many people, Jenny, that I hear from folks is, am I qualified? You know, Mm. should should I teach a class? Can I teach a class? Um, so what, what would your words of wisdom be for folks that are wondering if they're qualified?
1: Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So first of all, you do need to have some experience in your wheelhouse before you can really go out there and teach a lot. So I encourage people that are relatively new to make their workshops, their events, more about just a, an experience a relaxing experience where people come to the farm and they're maybe going to cut some flowers and you're going to do just an incredibly simple demonstration of maybe how to harvest or um, instead of doing like a really elaborate design workshop or a really intensive farming workshop just start small start with a 90-minute event where people are encouraged to come explore the farm relax, cut some flowers, make just a simple mason jar um, arrangement to take home, or maybe pot up a few plants or something. Things that are just really, really basic. That's a great place to start if you yourself are still pretty new to flower farming. You're not an expert yet at the subject matter, so to speak, but you can start to get comfortable with workshopping. So that you feel, you know, positive in front of a crowd. And then you can, you can scale up from there as your expertise comes to the forefront and you feel confident, but start, start with something relatively simple
0: <laughs> in the beginning. That is such a great tip because I mean, that is such a great tip because people, especially now, right. People are so hungry even before COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. the number one battle that I had to fight and we still fight is people want to come to the farm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody just, does. <laughs> yeah, they just want to walk around and be in the environment. And I understand it, right? But I mean, of course, if you're a real business, you don't really have time unless you're like doing it as an actual event um, for people to do that. So that is just super good idea to make to maybe make your first workshops, not really a workshop, perhaps, make it more about an experience. But my next question for you (laughs) applies whether it's an experience or a workshop. And I will tell everybody, this is where um, Jenny's um, attention to the business side is going to save your butt, you know, and I'll just say that because (laughs) let's talk about the hiccups of having people come to your farm. And I'm just going to read over this list of some of the things that I had as challenges that Mm. you must overcome if you're going to do this. Bathrooms, parking, (laughs) parking, you know, the space to put them. What happens if it rains on the day of your event? Um, Last minute changes because of that weather. Do you refund? How do you do you reschedule if you're really a farmer How do you reschedule that easily? We don't typically have available days in our schedule. And then the biggest hiccup of all is COVID. And before you answer all of those, Jenny, I just want to say to folks, (laughs) these hiccups are what led Jenny to actually create the business side of doing workshops into an online course. And it's called Making Workshops Work for You. And this is just a sampling of some of the type of stuff that you may not know it yet, but these are things you have to figure out. And there are definitely ways to do it and ways to not do it. So Jenny, let's talk about the hiccups for a few minutes.
1: Oh, sure. Well, everything that you said has always been one of the challenges. You know, they're all, those are universal challenges. So, you know, if you don't have a proper bathroom at your farm that people can use, you're going to need to get a porta potty in for the season or something like that. So these are things you do have to think about A challenge that you didn't have on your list, but I think is also universal, is just staffing of a workshop, like understanding the timeline of a workshop. So often I see people that are newer to this um, concept where they just are really hectic and haphazard about the process, and then they end up feeling really... um, scattered at the time of their workshop so it's like knowing you're going to need support help so that's one of the things like you should have another staff member with you at the farm when you're going to do a workshop or maybe it's your partner if you have a partner Um, that's that's something like don't try to lead them on your own because then you try to be too many things for too many people and it's really helpful to have support while you're doing it And just the timeline that it takes to to put a good workshop, a good event together is also something I talk about in the course, and just how you need to pace yourself to do that. Uh, Because at the end of the day, the only way people are going to come back, and that's really what you want when you set up this workshop enterprise for your farm, is you want those repeat students to come, because... They are repeat customers in <laughs> any yes. small business wants repeat customers because they're the easy ones. They're the ones that already know your story, have already bought into your mission, who want to support you, who understand your price point. Um, repeat customers, students is exactly what every small business wants. And to have people come back over and over again, like I do at my farm, and we have people that have taken like 10 or 12 workshops at my farm, and some of them come back for the same (laughs) workshop every year. And the reason is because it runs smoothly. There's no anxiety in this space. It's not like I'm anxious or they feel any anxiety, all they feel is just relaxed and welcoming and look at all these flowers. And it's just a really nice experience. And you can't provide a really nice experience (laughs) if you have this chaotic energy going on.
0: It's so true. It's kind of like being the bride at a wedding, right? It's Mm -hmm. like you are the one that is the center of attention because everything pivots off of you. You have got I mean, you are so right. I mean, I can remember doing seed starting workshops here, and I think we had two or three helpers um, because there was a lot of stuff that needed to be distributed, a lot Mm -hmm. of help that people needed. Um, And you want to create an experience that people don't want to leave your farm. Yes, they
1: should be lingering, even though that does get annoying. For the record, it can't be really annoying when they won't leave, but that means you did it right.
0: (laughs) That is so really, really true. And I think one of the biggest hiccups um, that I know you face, because, you know, I haven't done on-farm workshops now. I think it's been three years um, is when the last one that I did is you were dead in the middle of, you know, workshop central when COVID hit.
1: Yeah, definitely. It really uh, knocked us for a loop because we got the city of Philadelphia closed down on March 13th. And I already had some scheduled workshops that um, had already sold tickets for, by the way, this is one of the reasons I don't sell tickets more than 30 days in advance, because you never know what's going to happen in life. And um, so those had to get canceled. And then we were just shut down. Like we didn't know what to do and it couldn't do workshops for almost an entire season. We did decide to bring them back. At the um, in the late fall of 2020 when I felt more um, uh, aware of what I could do to keep people safe. So we, we distanced everybody, we had lots of hand sanitizers, masks, you know, but we made it work. Um, and it's funny how people so appreciated being able to do those experiences still. So we continued to do workshops all through 2021 um, and it's going to be so fun to not have to teach in a mask now, come <laughs> come this season, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I yeah. can't count
0: on anything, but <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, so things, I think being a more seasoned person just helps to build your, your gut a little bit too. I mean, mm. what happens, I can remember um, one of the last ones we did was, Um, It was like a morning workshop and people were going to come and I was going to show them kind of what you explained a minute ago. They were, I was going to show them how to cut flowers and then they were going to, they could cut a whole bucket of flowers. And then we came inside and they made their just huge bunches of handheld bouquets. You know, I mean, we just had such a darn blast well even me as a seasoned farmer i had some gut juice going the week before that are there going to be enough or do the, are mm-hmm. they going to perceive are they mm-hmm. going to perceive that there's enough because i don't know if you do this but i'm such an overachiever that i in fact <laughs> felt like i had to have several buckets of flowers already cut and harvested inside just in case you know somebody didn't get you know how how hard it oh, is to yeah. cut flowers you know i mean it's like oh, yeah. you and i are lightning harvesters <laughs> right. i mean people just have to decide which one they're going to cut and i understand all that but they're totally different i mean the gut juice over what would you do um, if it was pouring rain on the day hmm. of your workshop you know you have to you have to have the fortitude i guess <laughs> to really face all that right and yeah. Being a newbie. Mm.
1: That'd it's be tough. hard. It's, it's hard to, to learn how to manage that, but you do over time. And you're absolutely yeah. right. Lisa, like having a couple extra buckets of flowers cut is super helpful. I mean, at my farm, most of our events at this point include like cut flowers already. Like we cut most of them for them and just say, right. like, go out in the field and you could get a couple special stems yourself if you want, because flowers that have been cut and hydrated properly and held in the right. cooler last so much longer. So yeah um that's one of the things that we do is we mostly cut for them at this point but it is really nice to let them go walk around and cut a few themselves and it is all it always stinks when it rains on a day of a workshop because it really does sort of limit the experience but people are still so grateful you just have to make sure you have a nice space for them to get undercover so at my farm it's a big barn at yours i know you have um the space downstairs and so it um if you are going to do this, if anybody's listening, who's thinking about taking on workshops, just make sure you have covered space in case of rain, but you can continue to teach during the rain. It's, it's uh, the worst workshop experience I had in terms of weather is actually sometimes I take the show on the road and I went to Ontario, uh, Canada and was teaching up there at Janice's farm, um, Harris flower farm and this crazy weather event came through that was like a mini tornado or something. We all had to get inside the cooler together. <laughs> all the oh workshop my- participants had to huddle in the cooler because we were under a, a pole barn essentially. And it was a great space, except when some crazy wind came through and crazy rain. So we all got in the cooler together. That was That was a bonding experience, let's say it that way. <laughs>
0: You know, I mean, these are the kind of things. So let's talk about those kinds of things. So, um, you know, the legalities of doing this, you know, and that's one of the Mm. things that I appreciate so much about um, the course is it just really lets people have so much more confidence, right? I mean, you got to have insurance, right? I mean, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. You got to have a really good liability policy that covers everything you could possibly think of. Be very honest with your insurance agent, like there's no reason to like tiptoe around the fact that you're doing workshops. No, you want to be incredibly direct and say, I'm doing workshops. That's generally going to be this many people. They're going to become parking on my farm. They're going to handle sharp objects. <laughs> like right. You got to tell them all the potential <laughs> and make sure you've got that insurance.
0: You know, isn't that so funny that, um, I mean, I faced that in teaching the basic flower farm in school. It's like, I tell people, you just got to go in there and spill your guts and tell yeah. him, and oh, people yeah. are like, well, but I'm not sure I'm going to do that. It's like, no, you have <laughs> to paint the picture because nothing is worse than having something happen on oh, your yeah. farm and finding out the bad way that you were not, your insurance doesn't even cover that because you were not yeah. truthful or and it is not right. even truthful. It's like, you just don't understand how far reaching things can happen, right? So let's talk about what some of the expenses could be related to workshops. Beyond having, you know, insurance, which you should already have, really as a right. farmer. Right. Yeah.
1: Every every business, every farmer should have insurance. So if you don't, that, that's step one after listening to this podcast, go get insurance.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you've already mentioned that, you know, if you don't have a proper restroom, you have to have a portage on, you have to have insurance, you have to have staff. And all of this stuff rolled up in a big old ball leads to proper pricing, right? I mean, which is something that you talk about. Um, And would be so unique, it's like you can't tell somebody how much to charge, but you can give them the equation to consider to figure it out, right?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And pricing will be different in in your region and so forth. But there's like anything in business and flower farming, there is the cost of goods sold. Like you cannot do this without charging at least enough to cover all the costs that go into it and so often i see newer growers or newer businesses offer workshops at a price point that is not going to even begin to cover the cost so they are just thinking about like i want to price this so people will come and that is that is the fastest way to lose money (laughs) you know so you can't price it so that people will come you have to price it so you're actually at but least work your time maybe right yeah at least make it like not a uh not a charity like you have to at least make money something well, and, you know
0: yeah. don't you think that just so many people don't even really stop to consider what their real expenses are so often you know i mean it's like oh well i'm i won't count my time well that's part of your expenses you know but right for, yeah. you know, <laughs> right um
1: that's, that's the one thing I see so often is people don't account for their time at all. They price for the flowers in a workshop. They price for maybe the container and the porta john and all of that. But then they forget, oh, wait. They're coming to learn from me and my expertise is even if you're relatively new, you have more knowledge about growing flowers and cutting flowers than the average home gardener. So there is a level of expertise and you need to charge for your time. If it's only if it's at like 20 bucks an hour, which is way too low for the record. right?
0: But I think the (laughs) part that folks don't really consider, Jenny, and I know that you will agree with this, you spend days getting ready for a workshop. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, holy cow. And so then that's twofold. So you, I mean, people just don't understand that part. You have to like, I mean, we all feel that need to kind of not tidy up, but things sometimes maybe that you might left undone. It's like, oh, we will take care of that. But you have to make sure your farm is safe for people to walk around that are not farming people. Um, oh and yeah. then while you're doing that, you're not able to generate income for your business in the way that you normally make money. Right. So yeah, kind of that's
1: difficult. what I talk about. Yeah. You've got it. You've got to think about it as a double whammy. It's not just the fact that you have to commit more time to the workshop doing, but you're also limiting your ability to, to pay attention to any other sales outlets while you're taking care of the workshop. Sure.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that is just also true. So Jenny kind of give us an the overview of your course. Um, so, It's called making workshops work for you and it's an on demand workshop meaning folks that it's available 24 seven it's not like our schools. Um, You can purchase it at any time and what can somebody expect to learn from that course And it's like four hours long right.
1: Um yeah, I think it's actually almost 6 hours long, but you can watch it in pieces if you don't have that much time on your hands. It's broken into sections. Right. Uh, right. So it's going to, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today but in much greater detail like what could you what topics could you teach at a workshop? Like what kind of things, you know, can be can be the focus of a workshop? Uh how to prepare the space, if you don't have space, here's some ideas for where you could go take the show on the road and teach at other places and partner with other businesses to host workshops in their spaces. Um, Pricing is a big one. I I go into deep detail about that because that is the thing that drove me to want to teach this workshop is because I knew that there were lots of people doing workshops, but we're not pricing in a way that was ever going to make them money and it would just be draining. So that's one of the things that I really wanted to provide people a formula for that um and then just some ideas about how to prepare in advance how to create this experience that is very positive for your students so that they come back over and over again so all the things we've been talking about in this podcast but in much greater detail with handouts and and slides and demo pieces and so forth so
0: yeah and I think isn't there even a bonus session that you did during the midst of the first year breakout of the pandemic right about Hmm. how to kind of cover your bases on that, I think too, right?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of chit chat about COVID, <laughs> but hopefully, with time and and um, space, we'll we'll not have to worry about that quite so much. But definitely, there's some tips
0: for that too. So, um, you know, what else can we say about workshops? You know, and there's such a vast opportunity that I see you know when I first started I felt this real need to do these big really long workshops I mean we did two-day boot camps oh gosh those are
1: the worst I have to say you know what if if we want to talk about a hiccup one of the things that I used to do just like you was multi-day events yes and oh there is nothing more draining than those and I used to do them all the time and I thought that I needed to do that to entice people to come you yep, know, exactly. to get people to come from further away or just to make it feel like it was valuable enough or whatever. And that was a lack of self-esteem, frankly. I mean, I think when you overcompensate yeah. with extra time with students, then you are likely trying to like help yourself feel better. That, <laughs> and that's something to avoid. It, Jenny. You <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. And, and you as a teacher are not going to provide more value over many 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 hours or days that that is not how it works you actually provide your best value in something like the first 20% of your time with a group of they talk about this if you're consulting you know you you end up delivering the most value to your client in the first 20% of your time with a client when you do consulting because that's when you can really you sort of nail it right then and then after that it's all kind of just like hand holding and there's value but it's like it diminishes over time so um shorter workshops actually give you a better opportunity to provide value for your students and then also an incentive for them to come back because there's just only so much bandwidth you as a teacher and they as a student have to give to any one thing and so um keeping them shorter actually works out a lot better
0: Yeah, I think I totally and completely agree with you. Um, Bobo and I were just talking about this. I mean, oh my goodness, we fed them breakfast and lunch. Oh my, yep. (laughs) And, um, you know, we had like 25 people here and we cooked, should I say that? (gasps) You cooked? No. So Bobo is a chef, but it's, (gasps) I mean, she took over my house. I mean, so it was, people loved it. I mean, it was delicious and fun. But you're so right. We could have actually done a morning and lunch and gone and probably been just as much value because um, that is the other thing that I think that for you and I to say this publicly, it's like (laughs) that was our lack of confidence in ourselves Mm -hmm. as teachers that we had to give more time instead of concentrating Mm -hmm. and Um, that that is. And so folks, you do not have to like make it long and lengthy um, to justify. And um, so Jenny, I thank you so much for talking to me about this. I mean, I I mean, we were so pleased to publish your course because I totally agree with you. I think this is a great, I don't think I mean, you know me, I got my hands in so many different pies. (laughs) I think those of us that have that entrepreneurial spirit that really want to be involved in the local flower scene, whether it means you're farming a hundred percent, you don't have to farm a hundred percent. You can farm 80% and do workshops 20 or whatever, (laughs) you know, there's options. And I just think that you kind of laying out the nitty gritty of the business side of this is really, really helpful. And, um, so, I think. and I will,
1: I will say, um I'll just if I can throw one more thing in there real quick is that sure. the the other value of workshops that I didn't necessarily understand quite as much until COVID is how much community building they provide. So, if you're a newer, younger business and and you haven't quite found your like quote unquote community yet, your tribe, you can do that through presenting workshops at your farm it will draw people to you and they will coalesce around you and it'll provide community for you and it was also going to provide community for them and honestly at the end of the day um, it's great to get paid but wow there is nothing more fulfilling than creating a sense of community around your farm and it's that energy it's that emotion that is going to carry you through crazy things like covid when they come along so um, that's that's the other value of workshops
0: That is so true. And the other thing I just want to remind everybody of, again, that you mentioned earlier, if you are a newer business and you're not feeling the expert level yet Mm -hmm. to create an experience, I mean, it's kind of like if you've become a great party giver, it's the same thing. It's not a party, but you can follow certain steps and just Mm -hmm. really make a great experience. And um, that's a great opportunity also. And I think now more than ever. Um, Yeah. That experiences is where people are really, really hungry for, as you mentioned earlier. So, Jenny, thank you so much for chatting with me about this. And, um, oh, sure. Yeah. It's always fun. I could always talk to you
1: for like hours a day. So, it's (laughs) my treat.
0: (laughs) All right, friends, till we meet again. See you sometime soon, Jenny Love. Bye, Lisa. (laughs) All right, friends. I mean, have we planted some seeds, some thought, some goals, Um, maybe some, oh my goodness, I better go back and look at that again. Um, I just totally love kind of showing you guys yet another opportunity, another piece of this flower farming pie that you can build a flower farming enterprise Um, And if you go about it as a professional, which is what, you know, is a big um, focus for me and is for Jenny, that's one of the major things that she and I both share is, um, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right. So you can then build on the strong foundation that you have built. So friends down below um, this podcast in the show notes, I, of course, will have all the connections to Jenny and her business, Love and Fresh Flowers, that's located in Philly. Her website, her social media connections, as well as her podcast, um, which is called No-Till Flowers, um, which is totally awesome. Um, and I'll put links to that and links of other mentions. Um, of course, meant a link to her course, Making Workshops Work for You, um, And friends, you know, I'm just loving building this library of podcasts that not only can help you build a flower-based business, but to give other people inspiration of things that they can pursue and as well as I mean, we have a lot of stalkers that are home gardeners, and we love that, y'all. We love that there's people that want to grow like farmers, that want to maybe are dreaming about becoming a flower farmer. Y'all, we are here for you. Um, So I hope to connect with you over at thegardenersworkshop.com, as well as on my social media links, and you'll find it all down below. Till we meet again friends. Ciao.